Hey, good evening. Welcome into this week's edition of State of the Tigers, presented by James Carlton State Farm, as we are every week online at carltoninsurance.net. Get in touch with James Carlton to take care of all of your insurance needs. I am Gabe DeArmond, the publisher of powermazoo.com. Once again, this is State of the Tigers, the only college football show that promises not to get in a fight with any other college football shows about the recruitment of William Win- uh, Williams Winery, which ended uh, three days ago. So we are moving on to more pressing matters. And the first matter, obviously, we want to remind you of, as we are every week, brought to you by James Carlton, State Farm Insurance. Uh, look, we all need insurance. It costs you money. But it doesn't have to cost you a ton of money. James Carlton can take care of you. Carltoninsurance.net, 314-961-4800, the phone number, and facebook.com slash Insurance on the website for the more advanced in age members of our audience who are still on Facebook all the time. So, excuse me, check out James. He's going to do his best to take care of you, get you the best deal he can on insurance. He's also, if you get a quote from him, and mention this show or this website, he is going to contribute $20 to uh, Every True Tiger Foundation, Mizzou's NIL Collective, and uh, could be some news coming up for ETTF here in the next couple weeks. Missouri's NIL law officially goes into effect in 11 days. I'm sure we'll be talking plenty about that. We welcome Gerard Hamilton onto your screen. Gerard, uh, we've only got, I think we've only got one more more football practice to watch. you sad? You gonna miss that? No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, it's not something you 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 guys may think of, but something I quickly caught on to was there's a practice every single day for about two and a half weeks. I only got a certain amount of, of work clothes on, so I've been out here washing laundry crazy. <laughs> well, my my thing is every year this is the the 21st year, and every year like the first couple practices, I'm like, all right, we're back. I got so much energy. We're going to do so much stuff. Uh, we are going to cover the hell out of this. And then by like day four, you're like, camp over yet, man? Because I've, I've seen all this stuff already. Yeah, it's it's monotonous and kind of redundant for some things. Because there are some days where you just feel like, hmm, this, this feels like a copy and paste from the other day. And then one day, randomly, you'll get something where you're just like, okay, there's a lot of different things I saw. But for the most part, I mean, if you was just to ask me, Gerard, map out their drills, I probably could tell you at least half of them of what we get to see in order. For sure. I like the one that they uh, they take big, uh, big like blocking pads and swing them at the receivers and try to get them to drop the ball. That's my favorite one. But uh, Anything so, that has Blake Baker yelling at the top of his lungs is my <laughs> There you go. I did enjoy last night the students trying to catch a punt because I've always said, like, I think that's like the hardest thing that I, I would be terrified if I was back there. I mean, my son returned punts for a while in high school and the good news was almost nobody ever got the ball to him in the air, but like, that would be an awful job. I, I wouldn't want that at all. I, if I wasn't working this job, I would have went out there. I'm telling you, I think I would, I think I could have got one. I think I could have got one. Yeah. It, do, have you ever returned a punt? Not in like a game or nothing, but I've had people who know how to punt and stuff like that and have done it. Like I've physically done it now. 
they were saying, let's do a punt return and you line up in the back for real and we make this live. Yeah. Uh, and like there's dudes running at you. That that ain't gonna uh, work. No, no, no. Can't. So, no, no, no. Uh, it, want to invite you guys if you got questions, comments, throw them over in the uh, in the queue. We'll get to those certainly throughout the show. Um, maybe a little shorter show than usual. I don't know. We've been going about an hour lately. Maybe a little shorter just because it's not the newsiest week. Uh, next week we're gonna do kind of our season preview, pick some games, things like that. And uh, I think college football actually starts a, a week from tonight. I think it's like UMass and New Mexico State or something play a week from tonight. So that'll be a big one. I know everybody will be watching that. Um, but tonight, um, look, there is a little bit of news. Uh, you know, Gerard, you posted on our, our message board last night that from what we're hearing, it looks like a three-man quarterback race maybe has become a lot more of a two-man quarterback race right now. Yeah, it's looking like it's Brady Cook and uh, Sam Horn going not going for it. I'm pretty sure Jay Garcia still is going to get some looks, though, in at least one game. I mean, if anything, those are games they're going to win by a lot. So why not see, you know, what changes in the in-game setting? But it seems like every throw, every snap, uh, every pre-snap adjustment, all of that is being, you know, watched carefully by the by the coaching staff. So. Yeah, two-man race between uh, Cook and Horn, and I'm sorry that, you know, those news clips you guys are watching for 30, 45 seconds of, of Jay Garcia, <laughs> they're working for you. I Maybe didn't tell the whole story. Yeah, I, I tried to tell y'all that, you know, there's a lot that goes on that we don't get to see. Don't mm-hmm. don't just look at the, the good clips or the bad clips and, and make a judgment off of that. Well, and, you know, everything we have been able to see Brady Cook has has been taking the the first team reps. You know, right. Sam Horn has has largely been going second. Now, again, like Gerard said, we don't see everything, um, but you've got to imagine if that's the way it's going in drills, that's the way it's going when they go to live team periods and all that. Uh, so, I don't know if this is Jared or Gerard. Gerard, did you log in and ask us a question? Is that you? Nah, I wouldn't do twice as twice the work. <laughs> I, that doesn't look good for us, Gabe. Me asking the questions and then answering them out loud. Hey, you never know, man. It's like a plant in the audience, right? Hey, hey, if things aren't going well, can you just maybe ask a question? Uh, but he, he wants to know if we've heard anything about like where or how Garcia has has been coming up short. I mean, I really haven't. You know, um, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I haven't heard specifics. I like the the easy default answer here is the other guys are just playing better. Now I know that's not what he's asking. He's asking, is there something specific? But but I haven't really heard I- anything specific on that. The only thing I remember is Drink said something like he needs to work on. I think it was footwork for him in the pocket. But that doesn't say that doesn't mean I doubt that's the only reason because everybody has some type of flaw, but that's the only thing we've heard specifically about what he has to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So give me, give me a date when you think Drinkwitz actually says, this is our starting quarterback. Like for not, not for South Dakota, this is QB one for the 2023 season. Um, I don't got the schedule in front of me. What 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 day is the Kansas State game? I got September sixteenth. Okay, that's September sixteenth. So Whatever the Monday is, that, media day for that game would be September twelfth. 
yeah, whatever that day is, I'll, I'll I'll put that in. So that week, that starts that week. Um, going into Kansas State, he makes a decision. Um, but I also I say fifty five percent on that. Forty five percent is we just we just go to the game, <laughs> and there you go. That's when you realize. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he makes the decision, but he doesn't tell us. I think we don't know until the end of the Kansas State game on September 16th. And based Wait, on what unfolds that day. Yeah, because like, what if what if he, the guy he starts isn't playing well and they're down 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter? Maybe he puts in the other guy and the other guy plays well. So I don't think we know until after the K-State game who QB1 is going forward. All right, all right. I'm thinking in one of these first two games, somebody just does – if he's if he's teetering, but somebody has a really good game, especially if it's that second game, they have a really good game. I can see him just saying, you know what? All right, that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna do. Going yeah, into it. Again, here's why I don't think so. Because okay, let's say let's say one of the two clearly has played better the first two weeks, right? Against South Dakota and Middle Tennessee. And let's say he comes out on on Monday and says, whichever one it is, we're just going to say quarterback A, because I know know how the discussion goes when we name them Cook and Horn, and I don't want to do that. So, all right, quarterback A is my starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. And he goes out, and he starts one for six with a pick against Kansas State, and Kansas State's up 10-0. And then he got to go to the other guy. See, now if he has not told us quarterback A is my quarterback, it can just be, hey, We've been playing two guys. We're taking a look at two guys. So I I, 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 just, I don't think he's going to tell us. I, I don't think he's going to publicly say before, even before the start of game three. The only thing about that is, that caveat to me is, Brady Cook would have to start, or whoever starts game one needs to start game two and needs to start the Kansas State game for you. If he makes any starting changes, that's where I feel like it can be maybe a little confusing. Or maybe, you know... I got no problem with confusing. Confusing is fine. I think Drink wants confusing. Like, I think... Look, I know how these coaches think. I think in his head, he will believe it gives him a competitive advantage for Kansas State to not know which quarterback is playing against them. I'm not saying it does, but... I think so. So I would maybe go the opposite of what you're saying. Whoever starts game one, other guy starts game two. I want to see how the other guy does in a zero zero game. Yeah, that is a good point. If if it's really that close, now maybe maybe it's not that close, right? But Mm -hmm. um, but but I I think everything we've heard is like it's a it's a pretty competitive battle. Like I legitimately, I I don't want to say there's not a leader. There's probably a leader, but I, I don't think there's like a decision anywhere close. No, for me right now, I'm just going to say the default is Brady cook, but like default, not he's listening. Now we're just sticking to what what they said entering camp. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, Again, we don't really expect a, a decision or an announcement. They've got an open practice Saturday night and it'll be interesting to see if they, cause like a lot of times, you know, this last point on this, but a lot of times I think if you have a true quarterback battle, like Sam Horn has to be getting some reps with the ones. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about it, to say. 
Because it's not fair to throw Brady Cook out there with Burden, Weiss, and Cooper, and then throw Brady Cook out or throw Sam Horn out behind the number two offensive line and make your judgment that way. You've got to switch it up to make a fair competition. Yeah, that's that's what I was about to bring up. Like, uh, he's he's obviously got to be doing his one work uh, when we're not there. Because, yeah, how could he get any rhythm with those guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jared bringing up the Michigan thing from last year with Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy that. That one always seemed to me like Jim Harbaugh wanted to start J.J. McCarthy. He was just looking for a reason. Um, I, and I don't I don't get the feeling that exists here, uh, but 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 we'll see how it goes. Uh, let's uh, this question from Camden kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about next. We, we want to talk some offensive line stuff. So so first off, it, you know, Gerard, you wrote about Connor Tolleson um, either earlier this week or last week. I don't know. The dates all run together, uh, but. He he basically like I don't know if anybody's officially said he's the starting center, but he's the starting center. So is that how do you, how do we take this? Is is this good? Is this bad? I wrote in four down territory that I think it's the best scenario that could have happened, uh, in my opinion, because Cameron Johnson was coming in to compete with him, and there's been a lot of stuff about him being an All Conference first team left guard, right? So my thing is, why not have the the what's it? I think Tollison's a redshirt sophomore. He mm-hmm. grows, develops another year. He's he's got the experience. He knows what he needs to do. It's just about confidence and kind of putting it all together. If he does that at center, you don't have to take a left guard and make him learn all those new commands and personnel coming in. On top of that, Cameron Johnson had you know, as good as he was, and he's a pretty good pass blocker. He had 11 penalties last year mm-hmm. in the AAC. Connor Wood, Mitchell Walters, they each had 10. Uh, Tollison himself had seven. So you're going to take a guy who, while he was a all-conference guy, he still struggled at his position in the AAC. You're going to move him to center, I think, and give him all sorts of types of responsibilities. To me personally, like, well, I thought also like a lot of us, you know, other people thought, okay, he's going to be the leader because that's why they brought him in here. Now that I'm thinking about it, Tollison getting his spot back, seeming to, you know, be better at snaps, getting a little bit of weight on him, pre-snap command, all that other stuff seems like a better fit. Now you can move a guard and put him in either guard spot you see fit for him. You may be 100% right about that. This type of thing is what I hate about not really being able to see anything meaningful in practice. Because the, everybody around the team is saying, man, Connor's gotten way better. He's made this big jump since last year. And look, that may be true, right? We just have to assume it's true. We have to trust that these people are telling us the truth. But again, I, I always go back to like, to at the beginning of the year, Conzo Martin would tell us, this team's got enough talent to win the SEC. Well, you just like, you kind of have to believe him. I don't know. We never see practice, but then you start to see him play and you're like, no, this team does clearly not have enough talent to win the SEC. There's not a world. And so my point is maybe Connor Tolleson has improved that much. We just have no proof of it with our own eyes, right? That if, if he has, you're right. This is best case scenario. Cause you've got this guy playing at a much higher level at the position he learned all last couple of years and then you've got Cameron Johnson playing at the position he already knows and he has played at a pretty high level. Um, but there is to me the thought that they brought Cameron, like 
they brought Cameron Johnson in. They hired his old line coach for him to be the starting center here. That was the plan. That is now no longer the plan. So, I, look, I, I'm not saying it's disastrous. I'm saying the possibility exists that things up front have not gone according to plan. I think we are reaching the point where it's pretty clear things have not gone to plan with the other transfer offensive linemen because for the last two or three days at practice from everything we can tell Marcellus Johnson has gone from first team right tackle to either second team guard or second team tackle depending on the day right um well real quick to go back to Cameron just for a bit I think if it was going you know terrible kind of if it was going the way it's going for Marcellus then We'd be talking about Cameron also being on the second team or fair, whatever. I fair mean, point. He's still moving around that guard. He's still lining up with the first team. So it's not all bad. That's why I said, again, it could be the best case scenario. And I don't want this to seem like, though, that Tollison is going to be an all-conference. I don't think – that's not what I'm trying to do. I just want people to know they feel he's adequate, like at, at, at the, at the worst. Like they're comfortable with throwing him out there. And I think it does help. I, th- I think the one thing that, that we should have mentioned at some point, like I think they view Armand Mimbo as a future like superstar up front. And it oh, helps yeah. that, hey, he was at right guard, but we are perfectly happy putting him back out at right tackle. Even if in the NFL he might be a guard, hey, if he can play right tackle for us for three years, four years, that is perfectly fine. And I think him being that already as a true sophomore, is huge in in giving them a little versatility up there. Yeah, I, the way that everybody's talked about them, players, coaches, you know, other other people behind the scenes, like you guys think Javon Foster, you know, he's a pretty good player. They think like he can be even better than him, or at least as good as him. And the fact that as a sophomore, he's only got a handful of games under his belt, but they've got him first team at two different spots. And are comfortable with it either way, but like that—that that says a lot about him. But back to Marcellus Johnson, yeah. Uh, today, seen him at second string left tackle. Tuesday, seen him at second string. I want to say right guard. Right guard. Yeah. And, and, and before that, I feel like he was working a lot with the first team as a right tackle. So what I understand, he's just going to be the six man utility player, whatever you want to call it, for whenever for whatever position. Um, obviously, he was left tackle at Eastern Michigan, so. Something happened to Javon Foster, they'd be comfortable putting him there. But he's just it just seems like he's gonna be the six man, although that's not set in stone. Here here's here's something I'd be interested in. Let's say let's say Connor Tollison has something happen, he's gonna miss a game. Mm-hmm. Who's center? Cameron Johnson or Bency Polgar? I'm going Bency Polgar. I, I think, think that the, might be true. I, I've yeah. seen Bency work with the second team. Again, that's the center spot. We just Again, I'll be trying to tell you, it's not Madden or eventually NCAA when that comes out. You can't just kind of plug pieces there. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And so, Bency, year in, he's 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 a real center, trying to move Cameron and stuff like that. Like, what Missouri may get into, which is a kind of a bad hole, is you start moving around too many people and you kind of decrease their like their value as far as what their potential can be. And so that was my thing with Cameron Johnson. You put him at center, he may go from, you know, a good left guard to a solid to okay center. Uh, you know, you don't want to do that across the whole line. Yeah. Uh, Sean House wants to know if the offensive line's improved enough to average 200 rushing yards a game. I 
I don't know what they were what they yeah. averaged last year. Um, I'm, I'm gonna look it up real quick. I mean, I think the offensive line is going to be better. Um, two hundred oh. yards a game. Let's see. There were last year there were 24 teams in the country that ran for 200 yards a game. Missouri was not one of them. I am scrolling. Missouri averaged 154 yards a game, and a lot of that, frankly, came from Brady Cook. Right, so you got that, and then on top of that, again, like the running backs. The running backs are a part of that, and we talk a lot about the line, and they're probably as good as the O-line can can be, but Nathaniel P., he, he can't do the behind-the-scrimmage thing. That that was really getting under his skin last year as far as just some of those tackles for loss being on him, and then Cody Schrader, for as consistent as he is, you know he's going to fall for and get you yards. To get those kind of stat totals, like two, over 200 yards, you're going to need a lot more explosive runs, big runs, a lot more 100-yard games. And I can only remember, I think Pete had two and maybe – I think Schrader, Schrader had like a against Georgia because he had 65 on one carry. But he only – I think he only had six carries that game. Like I remember thinking he had a low count for that. So I think he may have had like a 90-yard game or something like that. But okay. I don't know. There's a lot of factors to get 200 yards. Game. Yeah, I mean it. It's tough to run for 200 yards getting 4.6 a carry, right? Like you, you're gonna have to. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna have, have to, to get some 20s some and 30s runs. in there. Yeah. yeah. Um. But before we get to kind of our last plan topic, uh, Jared throwing us a little money. Who? What players on your preseason all quote team? I mean, I. I it's kind of tough because of the way interviews have gone. I mean, has there been anybody that you walked away saying what that was a really good interview? Um. There's been solid interviews. I don't know if there's something really good. I mean, when I talked to Brady Cook, the only thing I noticed about talking to – or Jay Garcia, and I just yeah. like – this was before camp. I just like how real he was about it. Like, yeah, um, you know, we're cool. Quarterbacks are cool. Brady's cool. Everybody cool. But I'm coming here to take his job. Like, he was pretty upfront with it. And, like, I, I just respected that because, you know, they're – the players are good at coach speak when it comes to us. So, I don't – that was cool, and it was cool. Right. They're especially good at coach speak when there's one of them and 14 of us, right? Like, if if we get lucky and there are two or three guys there and it's a smaller group, you get better answers. But that hasn't – just timing-wise, that hasn't happened a lot this game. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, when I was talking to Jake, it was me, and maybe there was somebody behind me, but it wasn't a group of people like usual. When I was talking to Brady Cook – for the most part, it was a one-on-one, and a Brady Cook would be probably another one, just because he seemed happy. I swear, I swear. After like week three, once he got hurt, you could just tell. Like it felt like he hated us. Like, every Dude, Brady time. did not. He one hundred percent did not like us last year, and and I'll tell you why. Because I saw the same thing happen with James Franklin in two thousand thirteen. To these players, we represent what is said on social media. Now it's not us for the most part. But they read message boards, they see Twitter, and the attitude of the fan, like, they don't talk directly to the fans, so the attitude of what's coming from fans a lot of times, and look, there were some negative things written about Brady, too, last year. Like, that is now, that's put on us at Prescott. Like, Brady is a really good interview when he wants to be, and he absolutely did not want to be the second half of last year. Uh, Definitely not. Definitely not. But this year, when I talked when I talked to him just a few weeks ago, he had a smile on his face. He felt like you just see him seem happier. Like, oh, it's a fresh start yeah. type of thing. 
I think the best quote I've heard in uh, in camp this year so far was, I guess it was last week when Harrison Mevis was at a table and some, somebody said, uh, you, you know, you, you look like you've slimmed down this year. And he says, thank you. <laughs> you know, just, just kind of cuts it off before there's even a question. So uh, I, I, the, the not, not quite as thick kicker. Uh, he, and he's always had a, a pretty good sense of humor and he's been a good interview. Armand Mimbo, uh, seems like a good interview. Uh, I really liked Nathaniel Pete when we talked to him, you know, so, but it's just, it, you got to get these guys in the right situation to, to really get them to loosen up. And honestly, you got to get them one-on-one is, is the biggest thing. Well, Darius uh, Robinson, I'll say Darius. Oh yeah. Robinson, he's always good. He's yeah. He's pretty good. And, but I'm going to be honest, probably the most entertaining guy is now plays at Georgia. So I'm not going to say his name to upset. Yeah. Him. Yeah. He was, he was good. No question. Uh, Cam Clouser wants to know how many transfers are going to start. Is it just Weiss and Cameron Johnson? I, I think so. I mean, uh, I like I think Dalen Carnell starts over. Tr- well, there's there's going to be a problem. Well, I don't know. Is there going to be one at defensive end? I mean, Joe Moore could at defensive end, but that could also be Darius Robinson and Johnny Walker. Yeah, so so to continue with my spades example that I've been using recently, it's two and a possible. So it's going to be Weiss. It's probably going to be Cameron. Um, and then, yeah, I was going to say Trevez. Because, again, that's another situation where I see it as like one and one A. It doesn't seem like there's a – but I would give it to Dalen. I, I think when it's one and one A, you've got to go with the guy who's been here for two years. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they are exactly even, you go with the guy who's been here for two years. And I don't know. I'm kind of thinking this question. Kind of, I'm thinking of just starting a game or so. Yeah, full-time starter would be Dalen. Joe Moore is kind of maybe a little bit more of a possibility just because mm-hmm. D-Rob, it's situational. But it's starting to seem like – more so, more towards like he's going to be the end. Like they're going to give him a handful of games to just start. They say situational. I feel like it's more situational that he moves inside for these first four or five games than it is he's going to be at DT and then he moves to defensive end. Like that may happen later in the season if he's not doing well, but it seems like everything is going towards full time the end to start. And I'm just going to tell this is this is based on nothing I've heard. This is nothing but my personal opinion. Do not write off Sidney Williams being a starter at safety. And the reason I say that is Carlisle, Charleston have been a little banged up, you know, in, in like, I think their safeties were solid last year, but I don't think they were great. I don't think they were dynamic. Like, I think it's possible you could see a guy go win a job there at some point this season. Maybe for Charleston. They like Carlisle a lot. And he's a ball hawk type guy. He's pretty big. And here's the thing about Charleston. Charleston's he's got versus- the tools, man, but that Tennessee yeah. film is haunting. Oh, yeah. And Kentucky, uh, I remember he gave a, a touchdown just because he wasn't he just wasn't looking the right way. Like it's yeah, he did it like towards the end of the season, you could kind of tell like he'll probably be one of those people who would come back just because the game tape this last couple of weeks were bad. But Charleston, they really like versatility, as you see with the offensive line. So Charleston being able to line up at so many different spots, that's what keeps him in. Also, he's a pretty big hitter. You know, there's nothing wrong with a safety who can who can lay lay a big hit on somebody. But Sidney Williams can do, you know, the, the versatility stuff too. So maybe you're right. 
Uh, which position do you think gets the most sacks? Look, it's got to be defensive end. I mean, especially if, if – but, I, I mean, I think Joe Moore can rush the passer. I think Niles Gaddy can rush the passer. Um, I think Johnny Walker can. If you move Robinson out there, it probably gives him a little more space to operate. I mean, it's got to be defensive end, doesn't it? I'll tell you this. If it's your defensive tackle, because there's no Chris Jones on this roster, right. <laughs> it's, right. a, it's a problem because that means and, they're probably getting free. And if it's, if, if it's linebacker, that means you've got to blitz, be blitzing yep. all the time. Now, here's the thing about so the edge. That's what being, I'm saying. Yeah, I was going to say about the edge. I do feel like, at least for right now, if they're going to get sex, it's going to be covered sex. That's how I'm thinking. I don't know if there's someone necessarily going to be able to just rack up seven or eight completely off of, you know, their repertoire. Here's why I also think it's defensive end. Because if Christian Williams plays the way he did last year, and you sit him next to whether it's Jaden Jernigan, Robinson, Realist George, whatever, like those guys demand some attention. And one of your guys on the edge is going to be one-on-one, whether that's oh. Joe Moore, Niles Gaddy, Johnny Walker, whoever it is, got to go win some, win some matchups. Um, and yeah. I, I think, you know, yeah, I think well, I those thinking, guys I- can – no, I just, I just think I, – I, I mean, I think defensive end is the clear answer here. Yeah, I don't know. For a second, I was thinking a specific person. Yeah, as a group, yeah, I think the defensive ends, yeah. But I was thinking, like, can a specific person themselves get, I like, seven or eight? We don't really know yet because even they're kind of still trying to wonder who are we putting that defensive end, what are we going to do there? So that's what I meant. Right. And – and again, there may be clear starters there. We just haven't really been able to see anything that indicates it yet. Um, right. You know, and and they they have enough guys that it could be like, you know, maybe Darius plays defensive end on first and second down, but then on third down, it's like Gaddy and Walker and maybe even Joe Moore all on the field, right? Like it, it, it could be very situational things. Um, but I, I think those are, are pretty much the names. But back to the, the question uh, about the transfers and uh, mentioned Theo Weiss. So kind of the, the third thing I wanted to hit on here was we spent some time kind of looking at the receiver group today. And it looks like right now, um, you know, Marquise Johnson and Josh Manning are, are working as, as kind of outside receivers. Daniel Blood is the freshman that's in the in the slot. So of those three guys, how many do you think burn a red shirt this year? Appear in at least five games. Uh, Josh Manning probably has the best chance. Although I was talking to you about this earlier about punt return, Daniel Blood, and, and I think Marquise Johnson as well. They've, they've been working with Luther Burden, you know, doing punt returns. So if there's a point in the season where Luther just doesn't want to do punt returns, then those are two options. Or they don't want him to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. If that's the case, then, yeah, I can see one of those guys, you know, not burning or, yeah, not having to use a red shirt because they're doing that. Yeah. I I think Manning plays. Um you know, now it, look, it's fair to say where, how, I mean, they've got, cause let, let's go through the receivers. They've got Burden, Weiss, Cooper, Miller, um, Peanut Houston played last year. Wayne, uh, 
Jamarian Wayne. Jamarian Wayne. There might be one more that I'm missing too. Dennis Jackson. Yep. Dennis Jackson. Right. So that's seven guys mm-hmm. um, that have college experience um, that are on scholarship, but I just think they'll get Joshua Manning out there. I think we'll see some four receiver sets, um, you know, because I, I'm not sure what they're going to have it tied end, especially early in the year. So I think we'll see some four receiver sets. I think Joshua Manning plays and I, 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 Marquise Johnson, it wouldn't shock me. Now, it may be mostly on special teams, but, like, he is fast as hell, and it would not shock me. The only reason I'm not throwing blood in here is because since he's working with the slot guys, he's behind Burden and Makai Miller right now. There's just not snap. There's not enough snaps. I mean, you you put him out there in blowouts and stuff, but there's not enough snaps where it makes sense to burn a red shirt, I don't think. Right, and on top of that, guys like Makai Miller and Dennis Jackson – those guys seem like guys who could go outside or inside as they're like whatever we kind of need. So if they were really in the bench, they probably still uh, wouldn't be Daniel Blood. They probably just put one of who's ever not on the field or whatever that smoothed them there. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I, I want to hit on a couple of the questions we got super early, but they're about recruiting. So I kind of wanted to save those for the end. Uh Acrylic wants to know, other than Wingo, who has Mizzou been recruiting heavily? So tomorrow evening at 5 o'clock, Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. is making his announcement in Gadsden, Alabama. Um, It's Missouri, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn are in his final four. Most people believe this to be Missouri or Alabama. We all believe it to likely be Missouri uh, in about 21, 22 hours, uh, but, but we'll see where that goes tomorrow. Um, Elias Williams, the defensive end out of Florida, is making a decision early in September. Those are the two that, that we know were immediate. And then whatever happens with uh, with Ryan Wingo is, is the other thing there. Um, and this one, I, I think this is kind of interesting um, because it goes back to a quote that has followed Missouri football around for decades from Tom Osborne. But uh, Dan wants to know, do you think Mizzou is uniquely positioned in NIL where it's the only power five school in the state that has uh, corporate money from two top 30 Metro areas and could recruiting consistently be in the top 10 or 20. So that's why this NIL law is so unique for Mizzou because like it says any in-state school, right? So yeah, technically it can benefit Northwest Missouri State or Rolla or Central Missouri or whatever. But there's only one school here who plays big-time college football where you're talking about guys that are probably going to get those kind of deals. Like, if Kansas passes this, well, Kansas and Kansas State are probably splitting those kids, right? Even if Colorado passes it, like, Colorado State is like a Division One football program. There literally isn't another one in this state. You know, Kentucky's got Louisville. Tennessee's got Vandy. Um, It's the only one. And that I I think that is another reason this is, I mean, mean, it, it wasn't accidental that the governor and all the state legislators were on Mizzou's campus signing that bill. Like it says any post-secondary institution in the state of Missouri, but this is all about the University of Missouri. Yeah, and could it crack the top 10 to 20 consistently? I'd say so, as long as they're not terrible. Because at the end of the day, I feel like yeah. 
you know, if you're just a loser, like a real, real loser, <laughs> no one's gonna, no one's gonna want to start that rebuild in the process. And, and I think it is important to know, like, yes, nil matters, but you still, like you said, you still have to win games, and also, like, I we still have to give Eli Drinkwitz credit for building and and mm-hmm. Kevin Peoples for building that relationship because, like. If Williams Winery hated them, I don't care what the price tag is. He's not coming. Right. You know, I mean, it, they still have to like the coach and see him as a guy they can they can see playing for. So the relationship, while it maybe doesn't matter quite as much as it did pre-NL, NIL, it still matters. And yeah, that's look like this is this goes back to Tom Osborne saying in like the 1970s or 80s, Missouri's a sleeping giant. Because it does have a lot of these, like, NIL can really benefit the University of Missouri if the fans are in on it, and they certainly seem to be. And I think the biggest thing, and and this is the thing that, honestly, I don't think has ever really occurred here. Like, the, the word you always hear in coaching searches and athletic director searches and all that is alignment, right? Everybody has to be aligned. This place have been like, dude, it hadn't gotten an alignment in a long time. Like it was all over the damn place, but it seems like the athletic director, the football coach, the basketball coach, the state legislature, the curator, like everybody finally kind of seems to be all in on this thing. And I I think it can make a pretty big difference. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, not as strong on our basketball side, but I wonder how this works, you know, on that side of the coin as well. Well, because because the thing is, like I've always said, you know, people Missouri football fans have always said, well, if we could just keep the top talent home, we could be a top 25 team. I said, no, you need more than that. There's not enough in the state of Missouri. you got to be able to recruit outside. But legitimately, like the list of high school basketball absolute studs who have left this state, I mean, Derek Hood. Jerron Rush, uh, Patrick Ritchie, Chris Lindley, Ryan Robertson, Bradley Beal, Tyler Hansborough, uh, Jason Tatum. I mean, like, I could make an NBA all-star team out of dudes from Missouri that haven't played for Missouri. So I think it makes a big difference there, too. Um, You know, so, yeah, to answer – I mean, short answer to Dan's question is, yes, it has a chance. Now, yes, you still have to be – a be a guy that connects with the kids. Both Gates and Drinkwood seem to be that. You still have to go out and win some games. You still have to get some out-of-state guys because this this specific law does not apply to out-of-state kids, although you can still make them NIL offers, obviously. And look, everybody knows this. Whenever legislatures open back up for next year, there are going to be a whole bunch of places passing laws pretty similar to this one. Yeah, it's a good thing that Missouri got got ahead of it a little bit then. Yep, a hundred percent. Yeah, Missouri jumped ahead of it. Uh, other Gerard brought up a, a another one, Caleb Love. Right, he left the state um, and, and played in the title game. So you know, there's there's a lot of guys out there that um, that this could make a difference with. So um, I don't know. We miss anything, man? Is there anything else we got to talk about? not that i can think of no yeah open practice uh we i think we got an interviews tomorrow is that right player interviews yeah okay 
And then open practice on Saturday. At some point, we're going to talk to Drinkwitz again. Okay, uh, Britt Tree says the captains were just released. So before oh, looking at Twitter, have you looked at it yet? Well, no, I got a notification. I was just okay. like, let me so before before we look at it, there's four captains. Who okay. do we think they are? You go first. Ooh, because that means I feel like a quarterback has to be one of them. All right, okay, let me do this. Darius Robinson. Um, Cody Schrader. Uh, Javon Foster. And uh, I'll go Christian Williams. That'll, that'll spice it. Christian okay, Williams. I'm going to go Robinson and Schrader, I think, are sure things. Um, I think they're definite captains. I don't, don't think there's a quarterback that's going to – I don't know. I mean, I feel like Brady Cook could be a captain, but I don't know if you take your guys. Um, Chris Abrams drain. I'll go with him. And then the other guy's got to be somewhere on offense, so I, I guess I'll go Brady Cook. Did you say Javon Foster already? I did not say Foster. Oh, I just I, I don't know. I'm I'm taking a shot here. I want to be a little different than you, so I'm going to look it up here real quick. Or somebody can throw it in the comments if they want. To. Oh, there's six. Somebody lied. Six. six. Well, come on, man. Six. You want me to read them? Okay. Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, Javon Foster, Chad Bailey, Tyron Hopper, Darius Robinson. I'm a little surprised by Hopper just because he is not a vocal guy. I'm a little surprised by Bailey, frankly, because he has some legal issues this spring. No, no. I was uh, like, thinking, I would have one hundred. Yeah, I would one hundred percent have have said Chad Bailey, but I thought that might be an issue. I'm not at all surprised by Cook, and not not super surprised by by Foster or uh, or uh, Schrader or Robinson either. Those would have been the four, six. I didn't realize they're taking a page out of Dennis Gates' uh, book and just like you a captain and you a captain and you a captain. Well, this is down two from last year. It was eight, so was it really? <laughs> it, it was. It was. It was eight. Um, I got three of them right. Brady Cook was one I wanted to say, but I was thinking because of the quarterback competition. But I honestly think he could be a captain and still lose the quarterback competition. It's. It wouldn't be that dramatic, I guess, if that happened. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Yeah, and look, I think his teammates completely respect yeah. the guy. Whether he's the yeah. starting quarterback or not, they like him, they respect him, so that's that's why he gets this. So, yeah, um, I mean, he proved he was the toughest player on the team. I mean, yeah, there's a Gabe. I could do a lot of things. I'm dealing with some some problem from sleep. My neck is out here acting crazy. My day has not been good. Brady, Brady shoulder fell off. You're hurt because you slept wrong at 24. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, let me tell you, as about to be 47, you got a bad road ahead of you, if that's the case of 20. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not great, but uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. All right, man. Well, we're going to let you go. We're going to let you run down and take a steam with all the old men, so hopefully you feel a little bit better. And <laughs> we'll let you enjoy your evening, man. So I uh, want to thank all you guys for joining us. Uh, if you watch live, hit the, the like button, subscribe to the channel, do all those things. If you listen on the podcast, which I will put up after this, uh, say nice things, uh, leave a good comment on social media, share the shows, all of that. And no matter what you do, 
get in touch with our guy, James Carlton at Carlton Insurance in Webster Groves, Missouri, from Illinois, from the state of Missouri. He can take care of your insurance needs, home, auto, life, whatever you need. Get in touch with James Carlton. He's going to do his absolute best to give you the best deal he possibly can. Great customer service. I have never reached out to James and not had an answer back very quickly. So I, I can promise you that his office is going to take care of you. CarltonInsurance.net, 314-961-4800 is the phone number. Once again, um, if you do reach out to him and you just get a quote, like you don't have to get the insurance, just get a quote. Make sure you mention Power Mizzou, mention this show, and he's going to donate $20 toward Mizzou's NIL efforts for every quote he gives out. So make sure to check that out at CarltonInsurance.net. Thanks for joining. We'll be back next Thursday. We're going to go game by game throughout the season. And then after that, folks, we are in game week. So we'll talk to you next time.